the seventh chapter of the Gospel of Luke, please. The 36th verse. From which I will read to you what the Holy Spirit has given to me for this Thanksgiving lesson. Are you there? Amen. Luke 7, 36. Then one of the Pharisees asked him, meaning Jesus, to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with fragrant oil. And when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, he would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she's a sinner. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, Teacher, say it. Verse 41, there was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one who he forgave more. And he said to him, you have rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water to wash my feet. But she washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Then he, Jesus, said to the woman, said to her, Your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, Who is this who even forgives sin? Then he says to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. I I would put the, the subject for today on the screen. Thankful worship. Thankful worship meaning... Nothing but the best. And while I stand to preach to you, as I did the first service, I know we've got a lot of things in our mind. But you are in the house of the Lord now, and I want to, I want to maximize the remainder of time we have together. I want it to mean something to you. I'm sure you do, or you wouldn't have come. So to each, for each other in the spirit of unity, might you point your hands in my direction? Would you ask God to help me? I can only help you if you'll help me. And together we'll be better. So Father, we thank you today. Thank you for the glorious presence of God. Before we even knew that we would be here today, you knew that we would. Before I knew and before the church knew what the passage of Scripture you would bring to our attention would be, you knew it. And so, God, I ask you for an overflow of grace. Can I get an amen? Unity. 
I pray there would not be a resistance to the Word of God. I, I pray, oh God, that we would be one. We would all be one in the house of God, the presence of God. And the Word would come alive because the Word is alive. There would be resurrection power. We believe that in this service there is still room for signs and wonders and miracles. And I pray that that would happen this Thanksgiving season in Jesus' name. And you would say amen. And amen it is as you're seated. Thank you. Keep your scriptures open, if you will, please, for reference. I'll get right to the point. The introduction, that is. This parable that is embodied in this passage about the two debtors is the word that Jesus brings while he is a guest of a man who is a Pharisee whose name is Simon. Simon invited Jesus to his house for dinner. Why he invited Jesus to his home for a meal, we do not know. We can speculate. And we may not be far from the truth. He may have invited Jesus because of curiosity. Jesus had done some itinerant preaching throughout Galilee. And by now he was a person of note and significance. And so maybe Simon wanted to mix and mingle with a person of such caliber. So he invited him to dinner. And if it wasn't that, maybe he invited Jesus to dinner because he wanted to ask him some questions about the teachings of Jesus. Because on more than one occasion, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes were always accusing Jesus of being inconsistent with the law of Moses when it comes to the honoring the Sabbath day, etc., Or maybe Simon wanted to do, being a Pharisee, what so many Pharisees had tried to do with Jesus in his presence. They tried to find Jesus in a trap in his teaching and find some way to accuse him so that they could find him guilty of something that he was not. And don't you know that's the way the world is as the world looks, especially now as it looks at Christianity and your faith and your serving God? There are people out there in the world who are just looking for some excuse, some reason, something to point at you about to tell you that's why they're not serving God, because God didn't answer your prayers. Can I get an amen here? Uh, the, the, the people who, who have just enough believe in the Lord Jesus Christ to argue and not to believe and go all the way. Looking for some kind of fault, some kind of way to say, that's why I don't go to church. That's why I'm not a Christian. That's why I'm, I don't believe in any denomination. And that's kind of what the Pharisees did to Jesus many times. And it may be Simon's motive. Whatever his motive was for inviting Jesus to dinner, you can be sure the dinner didn't turn out the way he planned. Now, I wish you better for your Thanksgiving dinner. The Word of God says a woman showed up at this meal who proved to be somewhat of an embarrassment to Simon. She was a sinner who, from the context of this scripture, was a person of poor reputation. In today's vernacular, she would be called a woman of ill repute. Eugene Peterson, in his translation of the New Testament, calls her the town's harlot. And so one wonders how in the world was she able to come in to this dinner. 
The custom of Jesus' day, the practice of hospitality and having guests, is a little different from ours. When you and I have guests to our house and we invite our guests, we usually close our doors from everybody else except for we and our guests to have the time together. In the days of Jesus, a guest was invited to the house and the cushions were provided on the floor around the place of dining for the guests to recline. And the doors were remained open so that others who might want to come in and see the guests and meet the guests, especially if they were people of renown, might come in and mingle. Other cushions were put around the floor so that others might come in and question or inquire of the guests and then depart. And we believe out of that tradition, that's the way this woman of ill repute, who was, quote unquote, a sinner, according to Simon, came to his house. This woman whose name we do not know came to Simon's house for one purpose. And that is to see Jesus. Can I get an amen? She came to express her gratitude and overwhelming love to Jesus. Among the many wonderful images you can get from this story, you can get this thought. She came as an expression of thankful Worship. And out of this story, the Lord helping me, I want to give you some, some thoughts that would be quite apropos for our thanksgiving and for today. I'll begin with this description, the expression of her gratitude. You find it in verse 38. So you can look on the screen or you can look in your scripture. She came into Simon's house. She stood at the feet of Jesus behind him weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears. And wiped them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with fragrant oil. I think it's safe to assume that somewhere before coming into Simon's house where Jesus was, this woman had an encounter with Jesus. I think it's safe to assume that she did not have a personal Idaho handshake, an appointment with Jesus. But somewhere before now... She had been in a crowd or a meeting on the periphery of the crowd at the outskirts of the meeting, hearing the words of Jesus. And maybe on one occasion she heard Jesus said, Come uh, say, come unto me, all ye that are labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And having heard him say that, she must have thought to herself, Yes, I am heavy laden. My yoke is heavy. I am a person of poor reputation. I have abused myself. Others have abused me. I need to lay my burden down. And by faith, she must have done that. Or maybe on another occasion, in another place of his preaching, she went and even though she didn't see him or touch him or get near to him, she might have heard him say, for the thief, the devil, comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I am come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And that resonated in her mind. She must have thought, you know what? Yes, the devil has stole my reputation. He has stole my hope and my dreams. He has destroyed my life. And if Jesus, who is talking today, can give me life and life more abundantly, I will receive it by faith. At that point, she was changed and no longer a sinner. And she thought to herself, if I would ever get close enough to him... I will thank him. Or somebody ought to say amen. 
If somehow I know where he's going to be and I can get there, I'm just not going to give him an ordinary, thank you, Jesus, or an ordinary wave of my hand or handshake. If somewhere I can get to him, I'm not only going to thank him and worship, but I am going to give him the very best thing I have in my possession as an expression of him giving me the very best I've ever had in my life. And so she does that. She encounters him at Simon's house. And wow. She worships him in a way so extravagant that all four of the gospel writers records this kind of worship. I, I need to tell you this. It's not going to be on the screen. But the Holy Spirit imparts this thought to me. True thankful worship will cost us something. Listen to this too. True thankful worship doesn't just happen. I want you to know the kind of power and anointing and unction of the Holy Spirit we feel in this house today and we felt in worship in particular didn't just happen because Pastor Chad showed up and picked a fast song and hoped that it would electrify the congregation. It's planned. They rehearse every Wednesday evening from 7 to 8.30. Then they come in with the band from 8.30 to 9.45 and rehearse. True thankful worship is planned. Truth, I don't just show up here and open my Bible and say, Whatever will be, will be. Whatever it falls open, I'll talk about it. (laughs) I'm telling you, I'm not that good. But, but the man of God has to seek the face of God and, and purify himself and study and fast and pray. It all just happened because I come here to tell you a few jokes about my children and my pet poodle called Prissy. That, that, that don't, it's planned. This woman planned. Wherever I ask, when I find Jesus, I'm going to make it my business to get to where he is. And when I get there, I'm going to have a cost. I'm going to have an expression of my gratitude. The best thing I know I have that I've been saving for years is a flask of the best perfume that my money could have bought. Maybe she didn't buy it. Maybe her mother passed it down to her. Or maybe her, maybe her father gave it to her as a dowry. And I'm talking about something that she coveted and she planned when and find Jesus I'm not only going to know what I'm going to say. If I say anything, I know what I'm going to do. Now, let me help you. If you're going to have guests at your house this Thanksgiving, and you intend to honor them and make it a wonderful Thanksgiving, you are not just going to go buy the turkey on Thursday morning. Because then you will be the turkey for not planning. If you are going to honor the guests that you've invited, you are going to order, you're going to buy the groceries sooner than Thursday. You're going to go pick up the ham tomorrow like my wife told me I would do. That's my job. That's my contribution to the meal. The honey baked ham. Oh, there'll be other contributions, I'm sure. Just like Christmas. I make a lot of contributions I only find out about after the card comes in. That's okay. We got a plan. If you are going to honor, if you're going to honor your guests, 
You're going to put out. Well, okay, here we go. I cannot stand to eat on my paper plate. Oh, goodness, help me. Somebody's thinking, we had him at our house. No, 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 don't even worry about it. I know how to behave when I'm in somebody. It's the best paper plate I've ever ate from. Given a choice, I qualify my statement. I'd, I'd rather eat from a plate, even if it's pizza. You eat from a paper plate with pizza, and you've eaten the plate and the pizza, and you don't even know the difference. I'll stay up here where it's safer. You're going to put out your china, the fine table linen. You ain't putting out no regular Kleenex napkins or whatever. I mean, against them. You're going to put out some cloth stuff. Come on, give me a witness, somebody. Huh? You're going you're gonna to burn candles because Prissy, the pet poodle, you know, she's been around a while. And you want to make sure the place smells really good. You're going to vacuum the floor. Can I get a witness, somebody? You, you, you're going to plan. If you're going to do your turkey just right, you're going to set the alarm before you go to bed on Wednesday night for 4 a.m. in the morning. Because you know company's coming at 10. And you're going to have that turkey in that oven because you are planned to honor your guests. And I'm telling you, when you come to the house of God, no wonder sometimes we don't get any more blessing than we do. We throw in a leftover one dollar bill. We throw in a half-hearted thank you, Jesus. We hate for them to sing the chorus again. And especially when that bald-headed man gets loud and yell. I'm telling you, I don't plan my yelling. But when I'm yelling, it ain't about what you're feeling. It's about something getting down my back and my getting in my shoes beside my feet where I feel the power of the Holy Ghost. And if nobody else wants to praise Him sometime, I can just praise Him. By myself. And so I tell you, the measure for which we get from what we come to church has a lot to do with the measure of what we put in. Worship is costly. Yeah, you're going to bring out your best. And when we come to the house of God, sometimes you've got to break the tradition. Instead of breaking a $1 bill, Every once in a while, it's okay to break a 20 out to God. Or a 50 or 100. Because it all came from Him. And now I ain't getting ready to take another offering. So just, just go ahead and say amen anyhow. And I say, this, I say this now and not before the offering. Because on yesterday, while I was writing the checks for missions and building fund and, and tithe and offerings. Uh, as I do each week, the Holy Spirit says, uh, Hadn't I blessed you more than that? Being Thanksgiving week and all? <laughs> And how many know that's all he had to say? Because I've always found out if you ever box with God, you're going to end up beating up. That's all he said. I blessed you what you have. You need to increase. In, a, in an act of worship, increase your giving. And again, I, I'm not trying to manipulate it. I'm just trying to tell you. We ask so much from God. It'll cost us so much to get that job. Or, 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 to, or to fix the marriage or whatever. And God comes in and saves us all, all kinds of problems. So worship is, is costly. And worship ought to be planned. And this woman, the Bible says, after the manner of slaves with the masters, she washed his feet. This woman, whose name we don't have, didn't wash Jesus' feet with water. But the Bible said she washed his feet with the tears. The tears of thanksgiving that came from her eyes. Now listen to me. There's sometimes when we go to God and we're crying tears of grieving and sorrow and pain. 
But then there are times like this worship service this morning and that you just have tears of joy because of who He is, because of who you are. I give you glory. Somebody say amen. There are times you want to, your tear duct gets filled up with gratitude. Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Jehovah Nisi, my victory. Jehovah Shalom, my peace. And it's all right to let buckets of tears flow because God is that good. She didn't dry his feet with a towel, but with the length and the beauty of her hair, which was her glory. She dried the feet of Jesus. That's worship, somebody. She didn't just take regular virgin olive oil, as might have been the custom of a host to anoint the head of their guests. She didn't take regular virgin olive oil and pour it on Jesus, but she took sweet, uh, fragrant, very expensive perfume and poured it on his feet because she was saying, I worship you. You've done for me what nobody else could have or did. The Lord deserves nothing but our best. I hurry to give you point number two of three points. Look at the next part of this lesson, the estimation of Simon. He makes an estimation of Jesus of which he is quite wrong. Follow me now. He makes three estimations and he's wrong on all three counts. Simon says to himself, why doesn't Jesus resent this woman? He calls her this woman. I don't want to mess with you, but I think we all know from time to time somebody we didn't agree with and we put a zero on their head. And before we even knew of their story, we go, why does this woman think she's somebody? Why does this man think he's who's who? And Simon makes an estimation prematurely, especially of Jesus. If Jesus knew who this woman was and her reputation, he would be resenting her getting this close to him. What with him being a holy man and all. His estimation of Jesus was that Jesus should repel her and resent her. But he he doesn't know Jesus. He doesn't know Jesus like she came to know Jesus. What do you mean, Pastor? Because Jesus did not come to isolate himself from sinners and hurting people. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost, which is you, 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 and me. Can I get an... Aren't you glad when you had done so much wrong and a lot of other people ostracized you because you failed them repeatedly, Jesus didn't isolate himself from you? Aren't you glad when you told your mama or your daddy or your grandma or your grandpa or your preacher or your coach, I'm never going to do that again, I'm never going to snort that again or shoot that up again or cuss that way again or be abusive again and no sooner than you said it, the very next day you did it again, so you caused yourself to be ostracized and isolated from the people who were trying to help you the most. But aren't you glad that Jesus came to seek and to save those? Here's what I want you to understand. You didn't find Jesus. He found you. That's what I was trying to say. And I know it's a kind of a way we talk. Oh, I remember the day when 
I found Jesus. No, no, no. You, you didn't find Jesus. You were like Saul hiding among the stuff because you were so guilty of your sin. You were in shame. You didn't want to show up at church. But Jesus found you, brought you to an altar, washed your sins away, put your name in his book, and that's why he deserves our best. Give him a hand clap, somebody. <laughs> no. You see, let me tell you this. The Pharisees were the ones who practiced isolation. They were too good, too holy, too pure. They were the ones who were better than thou. In Luke's Gospel, chapter 18, the Bible says a Pharisee and a publican, which is a tax collector, went to the house of prayer. To show you how highfalutin and, and better than thou the Pharisees were, the Pharisee and the publican could have been a Republican. They need prayer too. Don't say nothing because so does the Democrats and the Libertarians and whoever else, the Tea Party and the whatever. God help me to stay with my notes today. Verse, I'll read it. Don't even turn. Two men went to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, the other a tax collector, a publican. The Pharisee stood up and prayed with himself, saying, Dust to himself, God, God. I mean, he don't even kneel down. He stands up. How many know that thankful worship involves humility? That ain't even going to be on the screen, but you need to write it down. Thankful worship involves even the posture whereby we worship, we come to God. Some of these hot dog television super duper super whopper preachers will tell you you need to point your finger at God and tell him you already said that God and I'm expecting you to do it you better be careful that finger don't fall off your hand how dare we go in the presence of God and say you owe me oh God help me today you know America has this mentality of entitlement the government owes me my mama owes me my daddy owes me. The school owes me. The church owes me. Therefore, God owes me. <laughs> didn't somewhere in the Bible say you didn't bring anything in here when you came in? And for sure, you ain't taking nothing out? I- I'm just telling you, I'm learning with you. Humility. The woman came up behind Jesus when she came. Can I get a witness? She didn't look at him face to face, try to shake his hand or get his autograph. She was so humble in the presence of this great Savior that she came up behind him. This, this Pharisee stands up erecting the temple and he says this kind of thing. He's, he prays, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithe of all that I possess. And on and on, he enumerated to God why he deserved what he's praying for because he's entitled. The other man, the, the, the tax collector, the publican, he's a little far off. He wouldn't as much as raise his eyes to heaven. Have you ever felt sometimes so unworthy that that, that was the posture? Come on and help me here. That's okay. I'm not setting you up. Some of my best prayers have been prayers flat on my face in the carpet. He wouldn't even raise his eyes to heaven. He says, he beat his breast. And he said, God, be merciful to me. A sinner. I tell you, Jesus said, I tell you, the man, this man went down, went to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. The Pharisees, they were the ones who separated themselves from other people. 
Jesus drew near. I hasten, please. His estimation. This Pharisee's estimation of the woman was also wrong. He called her a sinner. As if it was present tense right now. She was no longer. She had been a sinner. But she met Jesus. Give me a witness. He, let me tell you something. You, it's wonderful for us to bear witness to one another. But I don't have to be there where you got saved and when you got saved for you to get saved. Okay? This Pharisee didn't have to be at the prayer meeting or the revival service or the town meeting where Jesus showed up so he could be an eyewitness that she got saved. And knowing him, he probably wanted her to wallow in the dirt before she could get saved. Come on and say amen, lest we all become Pharisees. We all have certain criteria that we've established. But let's be sure that it's what the Word of God says. This, this woman was not a sinner. She was, but no longer. She's now a penitent soul. She's one now who have found that she was a sinner. By the grace of Jesus and by His loving mercies, her sins were forgiven. And now she is clean and pure and washed and changed. She is no longer a sinner. Let me say this to you. I have been so guilty of underestimating people with my flesh. I have put two, the number two on the head of a person when ten is the highest and one zero is the lowest. Out of my own fleshly judgment. Only to come and find out that when I found out their story, their righteousness exceeded mine. Help me here, somebody. We need to be careful, brothers and sisters. The skin color, the language barrier, even the economic situation, or, or how they come clothed or not clothed to the house of God, what car they drive, what house they live in. We need to be careful. We need to be careful when we come to the house of God of thinking, well, so-and-so or so-and-so. My brothers and sisters, the Bible says when it comes to the house of God, we need to deal with the beam in our eyes that hinder our victory before we go messing with a little dot in somebody else's eyes. I believe we ought to give a Lord a praise for that kind of judgment. Yeah. I'm telling you, I've pastored this church for 26 and a half years. I have learned more from you than I've ever taught you. There are people in this church who, who can pray rings around me. Who, are, who I have learned. I, I'm willing to say, God, I'm not the only one who knows how to do things. We can learn from each other. Let's estimate, thankfully, estimate blessings and hurrying. His estimation of himself was wrong, too. He thought to himself, I'm way into the kingdom of God compared to this poor, spirited woman who, whose trade has been a harlot. I'm way into the kingdom of God. He, he, he bragged about, like the Pharisees in, in, the, in the passage I showed you, about... I tithe, I give, I quote scriptures, I go to the temple, I help the widows, I help the orphans. I've got all these virtues. But the virtue that he missed the most was the one he needed the most, and that was the virtue of love. Love, love is the greatest of all virtues. Because if we have all these other things, 1 Corinthians 13, we speak in tongues, we interpret tongues, we do signs and wonders and miracles and we give to the poor and we do all, but we do not have love. It profits nothing. And this is where he missed it. He thought his righteousness would be based on his works. And his righteousness comes through God and Jesus. I'm hastening now. You can't tell it, can you? The explanation of Jesus. I quickly, and I won't take the time to read it. 
Jesus says there was a creditor, a man who lends money, who had two debtors. One owed him $500. I know it says denarii, but I'm going to use today's currency. We identify with that. One owed him $500 and the other owed him $50. And this creditor who had loaned this money, expecting them to pay back as they should, discovered they had no means to pay. And in the spirit of thanksgiving and brotherly kindness, he forgave them their debt. Jesus tells Simon that story. And then he asks Simon, who will love the creditor, the lender, more because of his expression of forgiveness? Simon's answer was rapid because it was a no-brainer. Lord, the one who was forgiven the most will love the most. And here's Jesus' explanation. If you think there is little to forgive, you will love only little. Let me put it to you this way. It's this idea of a sense of guilt. Get this, if you will. The degree to which we see our sinfulness will determine the degree to which we express our affections to the Lord. $500 represents the degree of the sense of guilt that both debtors felt. Understand this. The woman was not more lost than the Pharisee. No more than the man who owed $500 was in debt as the man who owed $50 was in debt. And so there is no justification about, well, I only had a little sin and therefore I don't have to be a lot thankful. You heard me, didn't you? I'm talking to me. I'm talking to us. <laughs> All right, let me expose myself a little bit more in the way of the teaching here. Not in, in, let, me, let, me, let me be transparent. Maybe it's a better word. Transparent. Let me be a little more transparent. I am way behind on my thankfulness this Thanksgiving and way ahead on my grouchiness. Me and one other person over here. Way behind on saying, thank you, I love you, forgive me. And way ahead on saying, well, how come I don't have that kind of thing? How come my car? How come my house? How come my health? How come my children? You all help me preach or I'll just do it by myself. I think it's safe to say that all of us are way behind on saying, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. I have a house, I have a car, I have a job, or I have groceries, or my children, I know where they are. I have a sound mind. Thank you, Jesus. Let me tell you, little sin is as much sin as big sin. And so, Simon's thinking, I don't have to be as extravagant. And I'm not saying to you that you purchase Blessings from God by how large you give. I'm, I'm saying this to you. When, when Jesus entered the house of Simon, no water was provided for his feet to be washed. It's a tradition of the culture. She washes his feet with her tears. 
Wow, that's a lot of love. It is a tradition of the culture when, when Jesus entered a house that a kiss of greeting was placed on his cheek. Some, some cultures a kiss on both cheeks. She, he, he, gave, he gave the Lord no embrace and kiss of welcome and honor. She didn't cease from kissing his feet. Ah, it is a tradition of the culture to provide oil for the, like a, like a balm kind of oil, like a, like a, a, a suntan kind of, for the sake of having been out in the sun all the time, and a little bit of oil and a little bit of refreshing. He doesn't even do that. She pours costly oil on him. It's all because of the depth of the realization of the sense of shame and guilt and lostness. And I hasten. Thankful worship gives God his rightful place. Can I get an amen? The rightful place of God is not just on a Thursday in November called Thanksgiving. The rightful place of God is not just on a Sunday morning for about an hour and a half or two, and then the rest of the week we can just live like we want to. The rightful place of God is Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, 365 days a year, and I'm 54 years old, and if I live to be 84, every day is a day of thanksgiving. Thankful worship puts us in our proper place at the feet of Jesus. I said at the feet of Jesus. Wow. We often need to remind ourselves that we're not even... When John the Revelator began to get the revelation of God in the book of Revelation, he fell like a dead man in the presence of Jesus. Can, Can I get a witness here? And I'm not saying... Oh, help us, Lord. Here's how you get your miracle today. I'm closing. Don't bring the list of the prayer requests. If he knew what was in Simon's mind and could address it, he knows what's in yours. He can hear it. Here's how you get your miracle. You thankfully, sacrificially worship anyhow. You cast out fear and doubts. You plead the blood of Jesus over you and your family. You call the name of Jesus over you. You quote scriptures over you. You come into his presence with thanksgiving and you enter into his courts with praise and you rejoice in God. He will take care of the heart. He will take care of the kidney. He will take care of the lung. He will take care of the blocked arteries. He will take care of the finances. He'll take care of the marriage because he's already done so much. Is there anything else that he cannot do? Would you rise to your feet with me? Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Everyone, if you're physically able, if you, if you can, after you've gotten your balance on your feet, don't, I, I'm not going to be a spiritual cheerleader. I do that a lot of times. This is not a Falcons game. It's not a Georgia game. I'm against them having their games and whatever. I like sports in its right place. In those settings... They play the music and they do all that stuff and that's okay too, I suppose. 
But if I got to pump you up to praise God, then it's not really from your heart. Give me an amen. If I got to list all the ways you get blessed, then it's coming only because I ask you. What matters to me is true praise will break the vase and pour it out on Jesus. Are you hearing me? It'll cost you something. Sometimes true thankful praise will cause you, cost you to raise your hands a little bit. True praise sometimes will cause you to volumize a little more thanksgiving. True praise sometimes will cause you to clap your hands every once in a while because of who you are. I, I don't know, but I, I need a little practice. Help me praise Him before they even sing, before we even do anything. Lift up your hands. Thank Him right now. Thank Him. He is Jehovah Jireh. He is Jehovah Nisi. Shataraba. Come on, thank Him a little louder. A little louder. Sing praise team. Come on. While they sing, you praise Him.